Welcome to The Concierge CPA. I'm Jackie Meyer, founder of The Concierge Accountant Program and Tax Plan IQ software. This is a podcast for accounting firm owners and influencers who are pursuing world-class service. We discuss their path to excellence, their daily habits, and what influences them and their work. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around till the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go, y'all. Welcome, welcome. Jackie Meyer here with the Concierge CPA podcast. I have Shanita Jones with me today, and we kind of randomly connected you know, a couple years ago on Facebook and social media, and I've been following all the things that she's been doing. She has her own CPA firm, and she specializes in childcare businesses. So I definitely want to hear more about how you got into that and what you really enjoy there and how you can really help that industry. But then you also have dabbled a bit in education with accountants directly. And then you recently won some kind of very fancy award that I never heard of. And so I wanna, let's start with that. Tell us a little bit more about you and what was this amazing award that you got? Okay, so first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm a fan. Oh, <laughs> um, thank you. The award you're talking about is there behind me. It is the Two Comma Club Award from ClickFunnels. And you win that award by selling $1 million in revenue through one funnel using the ClickFunnels software. And it took oh, me wow. about 18 months to generate a million dollars in revenue. So, so ClickFunnel awards this? Yes. Okay, interesting. So yeah, we use Kajabi for our training platform and they'll send us these little gifts and stuff once you hit a certain number of revenue. Okay, that all makes sense. So is this really hard to get to? It is. <laughs> so um, when we think about selling accounting services, depending on who you're serving and what you're charging and what services you're offering, basically, um, I think I was, I know I was able to do this so quickly because most of our revenue is recurring revenue. So I didn't need to go get a million dollars in new sales. I just needed to generate a million dollars in revenue from the funnel. So it does, it wouldn't count any other revenue that you may have had beforehand or if you sign someone that did not come through your funnel, those revenue streams would be excluded from qualifying from the award. Gotcha. Okay. And so when accountants are listening to this, probably 70% of them are like, wait, what? What funnel? What are we doing here? So kind of describe like what, what is this funnel process? How do you target the businesses that you want to through it? And you know, how'd you become kind of the expert in this area? Okay, so I got my foundation in marketing from my friend, my mentor, my brother, um, Ben Brown. I took his million dollars firms program and I did really, really well in it. So his brother actually said, you know, got Ben's attention and said, Ben, you got to talk to this girl. She's killing it. So <laughs> that's how I met Ben Brown. I was at, I actually met him through his brother, Alex Brown. And then Ben and I started working together more closely um, currently I'm a copy and messaging coach in his program. I do that for him once a week and I learned everything start to finish to get to that first two comma club award, but it was so interesting and exciting. I took it a step further. Um, I'm currently taking a certification to become a master marketer. 
And yeah. when we think of a funnel, if you think of a funnel, like a funnel you would use for oiling your car, it's kind of shaped like a V, or you would think of a funnel you might use for cooking purposes, where it's really wide at the top and then it gets narrow as it gets to the bottom. And then there's that small opening for things to drop out. That's how mm-hmm. your sales funnel is. So up top, you know, you have everyone, you have the masses. So all of these business owners are out there or individuals if you're a tax person for you to possibly work with. So you use your funnel to target the people that you want to work with. And then you take them through a series of steps to narrow it down to the people that would actually be your ideal client avatars to work with. And when they come out the bottom, they come out the bottom um, as part of your client roster. So we do that through paid traffic. I ran a lot of Facebook ads. And then I also do a lot of organic marketing. Um, And basically organic is just a fancy word to say free stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much how it worked. That same funnel has been working for three years. And I I finally created a second one last year because I had a separate offering that I wanted to promote. And then um, I'm finally going to change my first funnel up just a little bit. But Russell Brunson, if you follow Russell Brunson, read any of his books or anything, he his slogan is you're just one funnel away. So um, I, I'd have to say that that is funny when, you know, when he says it, but it's true. All it takes is one funnel. Wow. That is so cool. Okay. So the top of the funnel comes in through paid ads, Facebook, Google, when you say organic, are you doing like speaking events or educational content? So I do educational content. I'll do uh, speaking events. It may be, for example, if we were on a, if I was on a childcare podcast or something and the host may say, oh, how can people learn more about you? Well, then I wouldn't share my website link. I would share my funnel link with them so that mm-hmm. people can opt into my funnel and go through the sequence of steps that I have on my funnel. And they receive nurturing emails. Not everything is salesy either. Some uh, actually, I will probably say as far as salesy, most of my stuff isn't very salesy. <laughs> you know, some mm-hmm. of it is just conversational. Some of it's um, informational, educational. And then there's just a small part of it that's salesy. So I like sales funnels because it gives people a, a, a chance to get to know more about you, your personality, how you can help them demonstrate your expertise to them without having to get on so many sales calls up front only to find that you may not be a good fit for the person or they for you. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I was just thinking. We have this whole pre-qualification process for clients when they reach out to us. Well, I did. I just told my firm, so I'm still acting like I have it. Oh, thank you so much. Um, but yeah, so we would ask them five to seven questions to kind of pre-qualify them they would tend to pre-qualify themselves out if, you know, we're telling them who we love to work with and why and stuff like that. And so you're doing a similar thing through, okay, who are my people here? Because who's going to stick around? Who likes my message? Who identifies with that? And if they don't, then so, you know, so be it. Good luck to you. Right. Exactly. And I also use my funnel as a means to train my clients. Oftentimes, you and I, we're in a lot of accounting Facebook groups together, and a lot of times we'll be very um, unhappy with some of our clients, and that's because they didn't know what to expect before they started working with us. 
So I use a lot of humor and um, my people, they're great. They're very lighthearted. So I, I can be completely comfortable with them. And I do a lot of storytelling. So I'll use a lot of stories to tell them how to work with their accountant, how to be good clients, how to be better business owners. So that by the time they come to me, they're saying things like, oh, Shanita, um, I, I made some payroll patsy mistakes. And they're actually referencing things that they heard me talk about. And I'm not, you know, being mean or coming across judgmental. They're learning. So when they get on a sales call to a sales call with me, first of all, they think I'm a celebrity. <laughs> That's awesome. First of all, they think I'm a, cele- I'm a celebrity and I'm not. And then secondly, they're already self-identifying what they need, what mistakes they, be- they may be making because we've been educating them throughout the process. We even get thank you messages and emails. We've, we've received thank you gifts from people that aren't even clients. Because something that they read or a video that they saw was able to help them. And they just, you know, thought it was it was fitting to, you know, let us know that we're able to help people that aren't even just our clients. Wow, that's pretty neat. Okay. And um, so how big is your firm? How many helpers do you have there? There are seven of us in total. Okay, cool. So yeah, established practice and you come from corporate America and that was kind of your, your thing, right? Like helping other accountants figure out if it was time for them to move into this field. Yes. So I had a very public journey in leaving my corporate America job and transitioning full-time into my firm. I started out, it was a side hustle. I did taxes and I realized that people needed my help way before tax preparation time. So I started doing some monthly accounting services for them and helping them so that they wouldn't get stuck with a big, nasty, surprising tax bill at the end of the year. So it didn't take long before I realized I felt more fulfilled working in my firm for the smaller guy than I did working for some of the larger institutions that I worked for. So what I did was I struggled. I learned a lot of things the hard way. I found Mm -hmm. out that working for micro business and small business owners was very much different than what was needed in the corporate setting that my education and training and experience had prepared me for. And I felt really unsupported. There were a Mm -hmm. lot of great people I met along the way and they tried to help me, but they just didn't understand that I didn't understand what they were talking about. It was all new terminology it didn't even matter that I was a CPA and they were a CPA. I had mm-hmm. a conversation with one girl. She used to actually work for us. We had conversations about things for years and I would use words and she would use words and we would not know what one another was talking about. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> she, I would say things like one of my, one of, she would always talk about write-ups. I had no clue what a write-up was. <laughs> Okay, I gotcha. like, corporate write-up is a bad thing. You're being reprimanded for the bad behavior. <laughs> um, um, I would t- I would say, oh, well, go ahead and J-E it. And she didn't know. I was saying, book a journal entry. <laughs> so for a couple of years, we would have these conversations where we would actually have to say, I'm sorry, what does that mean? And it was it was really funny, but it was also really scary because she had only worked in public. I had only worked in corporate and our languages did not align a lot of the time. And I knew that when I went, what I went through, I knew made it so much more difficult for me to grow my firm. And I wanted to help other people that were trying to make the transition, 
or and other people that have recently made the transition and still were kind of struggling to find their way and figure all the things out. And I, I joined all sorts of really great programs that helped me with workflows and helped me with, you know, learning different tech strategies and learning all of those things. But there was nothing that just helped me with the mindset stuff and wrapping mm-hmm. my mind around even how to get clients in multiple ways. You know, a lot of programs would just show me one thing. So I wanted to know all the things, being an overachiever geek that I am, <laughs> I wanted to know all the things. And it was real. it was really stressful trying to learn them. And I said, I really need, I, I want to help other people. I don't want other people to have to go through what I went through because the business owners suffered a lot because I could have been helping so many more people if I wasn't chasing my tail. Sure, sure. Yeah. And um, so why childcare companies or owners? I'll start out and I'll tell you, I did not choose this, Miss Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> this was chosen for me. Um, it, I truly do see it as a calling. So the long story short of it is that my aunt owns a childcare. She actually has a home childcare and she has a childcare in a commercial building. Her and her friends were being underserved by their accountants. They all ended up in some pretty nasty tax trouble with the city and they had no idea they were doing anything wrong. The accountant had no idea they were doing anything wrong. And she came to me and she said, I need you to fix this. And I said, well, I don't know anything about childcare. And she said, well, you're an accountant and I was working for the University of Pennsylvania Hospital. She said, you work for the best hospital in the city. So you need to figure this out and help your aunt. And I did. And she told a friend and a friend told a friend. And the next thing you know, I was known in my city, Philadelphia, as the daycare tax lady. So people just started, people just started coming to me and I started helping them. But I still did not believe in niching. I I, I wasn't with it. And um, I started, I think I actually had did Tyler Clark's program. And okay, yeah, I like Tyler a lot. He's a great guy. Yeah, one of the things in his program that he had us do was, well, first of all, it was really fun because it was like a game. Um, And one of the things he had us do was figure out who our ideal client was. And I remember telling him and Ben and everybody else, if anybody asks me to identify my ideal client one more time, I'm going to throw (laughs) my monitor across the floor. I'm so I know. It's kind of like eye roll, right? Like, really? Like I was so tired of it, but for some reason, because he made, because it was fun in his program, I decided, oh, I'll just do it again. And that time, I don't know what made it any different, but that time I realized that all of the people that I actually enjoyed working with, they all had childcare centers. Mm -hmm. I am also a big supporter of education because my aunt was my first teacher and if my aunt did not teach me how to learn, she taught me. But she also taught me how to learn. And she was always in my ear about the importance of education. I probably would not be where I'm in, where I am today because I did leave high school in 12th grade. Um, I had my daughter and then I was able to go back and get a GED, associates, bachelor's, master's, CP. Oh, that's awesome. Because I always had my eye <laughs> in my ear about yeah. education. And um, I really think that a lot of things that she helped instill within me from so young was why. So um, that's another reason why I really enjoy, you know, I'm really big on education. So it kind of just stuck with me, but 
I did not choose though. <laughs> yeah, no, that's interesting. I think it, and it's hard to pinpoint, you know, when I'm coaching someone and I do believe in niching for sure. I mean, we were high net wealth, um, family office kind of structuring, and it worked out really well for us at Meyer tax. But when I'm coaching others and trying to get them to narrow down, sometimes they're just not there yet. They, they maybe don't even have any clients they like working with. Um, they haven't identified that pattern. Is there a particular tip that you can give looking back and being like, okay, I see why that came together for me this time. Well, I don't suggest that people do what I did. I do not suggest is actually one of the things that I work with my one-on-one students about. I think the biggest mistake that we make when we finally agree to niche, excuse me, is that we decide to pick a niche based on what we've always done or what we know. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage anyone considering to niche, and I encourage us all to niche, (laughs) I would encourage everyone to actually not think about what you have done and think about what you want to do. Because when you work in corporate America, they have a job description and you work with the people that are already there and the people that are selected for you. But this is your firm and your business and your baby. So you can make it whatever you want it to be. If you don't know how to do it, there's plenty of training out there. Um, You can learn the things that you need to learn. So um, that's the number one thing that I encourage people not to pick a niche just based on experience or circumstance. Do what you do. What makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that advice. That's good. And so you obviously you've got the marketing down pat that makes you pretty special. Is there something else that you do at your firm? Is there like a certain way that you package offerings or the way that you niche down that you think is kind of unique to the industry? So we are our slogan, our tagline. We tell them we are the accountants that care, helping busy childcare CEOs build scalable, sellable businesses so that they can educate and impact the world one child at a time. And we do nice. that using our care method and we explain to them how we work. So we try to explain as much to them up front. So we, you know, we tell them this is our framework, this is our mechanism, this is how we do it. Care is an acronym. We have a conversation, we analyze what we discussed, we go back and we review it, we review it with you. And then the E, we continue to engage with you and educate you and equip you with all of the financial information you need to make informed business decisions. So a lot of times these ladies, they're super educated. They're mainly ladies, but we do have men also. They're super educated, smart people. A lot of them have doctorate degrees, but just because they are so educated in their discipline doesn't necessarily mean that they know all the things tax and accounting. So finding that balance between being able to explain things to people and not make them feel less than, I think that Mm -hmm. has also been key because they'll often come to us and tell us, you know, that they, they weren't treated very nicely from some of their previous service providers or the previous service providers don't understand some of the things that they do and don't do that other business owners do. So I think it's really important to actually not just read labor statistics on your industry, but to also get to understand the people, you know, behind a lot of the titles. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. And do y'all do tax planning? 
we are just um we we keep starting it and stopping it but um this oh, year, okay <laughs> this you know year, I gotta ask <laughs> this year this year we decided um to try it I was a beta tester for your software also I liked it um, oh, awesome. so, yeah, so this year we do want to um offer more tax planning for them okay cool so coming you, you know you're not alone the majority of our industry, what I'm finding with Tax Plan IQ is that people love it once they're using it, but they say they don't have any clients to do tax planning with. And I find that so hard to believe because every client is a good tax planning client, especially in childcare. I would think you've got a lot of Schedule C's that you're working with and stuff like that or what? Or do you do a lot well, of S clients? We, I, I try to stay away from the Schedule C's. Yeah, because most of the schedule C's tend to um, not be the larger centers. So we primarily work with child care centers and preschools and not so much the group in the smaller families. Oh, um, OK. Gotcha. And then, yeah. So most of most of the people that are in the larger facilities tend to already have entities set up when we when they come to us and S corporations are favorite. So they're very well aware of what an S-Corp is and that is possibly a good thing. So um, we see a lot of we see a lot of S-Corps. We do see a lot of C-Corps in partnerships as well. But for our Schedule C people, we really don't have very many Schedule C people. Um, and when it comes to tax planning, it's also like if they're not profitable, mm-hmm. then there's not usually, you know, a massive need for tax planning. So we had to go back to our marketing and our messaging again when we wanted to start offering tax planning to make sure that we were actually attracting good candidates for actual tax planning. And and do you need tax planning or do you owe taxes because you're just not actually doing your accounting and you're not capturing everything? So we Mm -hmm. had to look at it that way first as well. Okay, very cool. And so when you say that you've kind of gone back and forth with planning um, I hope you don't mind me asking this because it's always interesting. You know, you're you're the typical accountant, right? You found your niche, you found your specialty, and you're like, well, is it time to expand into that in these different areas? What's kind of held you back? Is it because you've been so busy, or you know, the compliance or the bookkeeping has really been where you've shined or or shown or whatever that word is? <laughs> what, what do you well, think? Like, what has held you back there? Well, it wasn't really of it wasn't really um being held back. It was that for for like the basic stuff, a lot of them qualified. But pre-pandemic, their tax liabilities weren't really massive enough to do anything advanced or you know what I mean, to do anything above what was already included and in what we were offering them. And then I think it also comes down to defining to looking at how you define tax planning. Because a lot yeah. of the things that we're doing is actually tax planning. And I could talk to five different accountants and get five different opinions on what exactly they consider to be tax planning or CFO level services. Oh, so, yeah. I'm grinning so, so big because that's, yeah, that's another problem with our industry is like we all have this totally different definition of what actually is tax planning, what is CFO work. Uh, I wish there was some conformity to it and more kind of sharing of that knowledge, you know? And that's why I started accountants on letters. So we could just have these conversations like, hey, what does this mean to you? There's no wrong or right answer. 
Um, and for our clients, most of what we've done has been, um, of course, we do the bookkeeping, the accounting, the tax preparation, um, even some IRS representation. But most of the value actually comes in for them, the consulting, helping them understand their numbers, helping them grow their businesses, helping them with forecasts and projections and things of that nature. So because most of them are really on a rise and growing, they have a lot of they have a lot of opportunities there. So when the pandemic hit and they ended up with a, a lot of extra government funds and grants, a lot of them ended up with much larger tax liabilities than they normally would have. And a lot of these funds were dispersed late in the year, like last November and December. So they didn't leave a whole lot of time for planning ahead. A lot of people mm-hmm. didn't even know they were going to get this money, let alone have enough time to spend it in their calendar year. So that's what made us shift our focus and look deeper into it. And then, of course, a lot of the companies that may not have necessarily been doing as well, those are not there anymore. So it really left the cream of the crop remaining oh, as far as yeah. operating. And so now that meant, whereas we may have only had a few people that were ideal for tax planning, now we have more candidates to make it um to make it worth actually investing extra resources, time, and attention, as opposed to just referring a one-off person to someone else. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Now, tell us more about your Facebook group, Accountants Unladdered. Okay. So Accountants Unladdered, um, as I mentioned, it was originally started to help accountants get off and stay off the corporate ladder in peace. (laughs) But since I started it, a lot of my accountant friends from other places have joined. And it's really been a great experience over there. So we actually have um, a special guest coming next month. She's going to teach us TikTok for business. So I have experts. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I have experts come in. Um, I also work with one person on a one-on-one basis um, in 30-day segments. And eventually we may start some formalized uh, formalized cohort that's already written. But for now, we're really basically hanging out, adding value to one another, sharing um, and doing all the things. It's kind of like a low, a low pressure. Someone may come in one day and ask an accounting question. The next day we may be talking about taxes. Most of the time we're talking about marketing, getting clients and taking over the world. Um, But basically it's a safe place for accountants. Okay, very cool. And um, how long has that been around and how has it kind of grown? Has it been organic growth? It's been all organic. It's been around for maybe two years. I could actually look well you know accountants <laughs> I'm like now I want to know um it may be a little bit over two years so initially a lot of the people from accountants on ladder they would have they worked with us or were looking to work with us in another program that I had that we weren't using and I what we weren't doing anymore and I was going to shut the group down but the minute that I thought of shutting the group down, people just started coming out of the woodworks and the conversation just kind of picked back up. So I kept it. So it's, it's basically, it's seriously like a place where we go hang out. (laughs) Yeah, that's very cool. Well, you know, I've got the accounting from influencer group and I don't know about you, but there are some weird stuff you have to moderate sometimes. (laughs) Can you tell us an example of something that went really arrived for you? I don't see anything weird in accountants unlettered, surprisingly. 
Um, nothing really weird over there. But okay. I'm a moder I'm a moderator of a lot of Facebook groups, including one that I have for child cares. So yeah. the child care profit strategy community. I also have one for health cares because while child care is our primary niche, we also serve the healthcare industry. And that's because a lot of our child cares ended up opening up home health cares as well. So that's not my more dominant niche, but we do have a group for them as well. And then a couple of other friends, I somehow became a moderator or admin in their group. And we do we do see some weird things. The biggest thing that we see is is probably the various ways that people find a spam <laughs> to spam in Facebook groups. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. Okay, now I like to ask people a little bit of a change of focus. Is there a particular book or, um, you know, TED Talk or anything like that that's really inspired you that you would highly recommend? Okay, I can't just give one. There's so many good ones. So oh, yeah, no, you tell us as many as you want. I'll give you two. Okay. So um, as far as like a business, from a business management standpoint, Traction, I'm sorry, Clockwork is my favorite book. Um, and then if I wanted to go from a marketing perspective, I would probably have to say hands down expert secrets. Mm, Those are, okay. Yeah, I just read expert secrets again. I'm almost finished reading it again. I'm on like 90%. Um, and I'll probably read it a third time one day eventually. Okay. And so what was, what's like kind of profound about that book for you? Um, I think the thing that I like most about it, well, I just like Russell Brunson, first of all. Okay. <laughs> Um, but I think the thing that I like most about it is how he helps you to see that everyone, everyone has, everyone is an expert at something that they're able to use to help other people and to also monetize and how to package it and how to position it and even how to price it so that, um, it'll work for you. And he has like a lot of cool, um, there's a lot of cool information in that book. So um, I actually like it because even though I'm an accountant and I'm selling accounting services, excuse me, there's still a lot of good information in there. And one of the things that I learned really early on when I decided to start marketing the firm was I had to start learning to be okay with and considering myself as a marketer, you know, um, as a as a digital marketer, because that's what we are. We wear a lot of hats. And reading that book actually helped me to come to grips with that <laughs> and not feel bad about it because I don't know why I just had this, this negative connotation in my mind about what digital marketing was and what a, and who a digital marketer is. But I think he, um, he makes it all good. <laughs> okay, very cool. And then um, you've described a couple of things that it sounds like you've really uh, done well and overcoming life. It's you had a child at a young age. Um, I'd like to ask, you know, kind of what's the biggest challenge that you've had and how did you overcome it? Would you say that that's it? Or would you say it's something different? No, that's not it. My daughter is actually a nurse. (laughs) My daughter, she's 24 years old now. She's a nurse today. Um, so she, she actually turned out pretty okay. That's awesome. Um, my son probably wouldn't agree, her little brother. <laughs> okay. She, she, turned out, she, turned out, she turned out pretty okay. I would probably say my hardest challenge through it all was learning to be okay going against the grain. Mm. 
being okay with being different. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my actually probably one of my hardest points was probably like in the last year or so when I decided that I needed a coach and trying to do everything that everybody said, despite the fact that things just didn't sit right with me. So probably learning to trust yourself, listen to yourself and understanding that if you're wrong, it's okay. You can start over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I'm, you know, I'm a huge advocate for coaching as well. And it sounds like you and I are similar in that way. I kind of just like absorb it all. I have like five different coaches at one time, but I mean, none of the advice coaches give is going to be a hundred percent. I like to think that you take like 90% of what they're saying and then put your own twist on it because you can personalize it for the way that it makes sense to you, the way that it's most authentic to you. But there's definitely great like advice and whatnot. You know, actually, that's funny. Yesterday, I saw someone post in the Facebook group that they were firing their coach because they didn't bring a lot of ideas to the table. And then someone else responded, I've never gotten any good ideas out of coaching. And I'm thinking, I just don't understand that at all because I always learn something from coaching, even if it's not exactly my cup of tea, right? And you know, I think, and and this is actually um, a a conversation that is taking place in accountants on later. Now it started last night. I honestly think the problem is a lot of people don't know what to look for or expect out of coaching. And I think they think the coach is basically supposed to just tell you exactly what to do and not help you do what's already in you and help you maybe do it faster and better. So they're mm-hmm. actually not looking for a coach. They're looking for a creator. <laughs> mm, yeah. So I think every, everyone that I've heard and, you know, I have, I, I have several coaches and I think that everyone that I've ever heard complain about coaches, even people that complain about some of the coaches that I think are the best things since sliced pie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't complain about them. That's just like the common thing that they get upset with. Or we don't always listen. And I'm saying we, we don't always follow the instructions to the T. And then when we try to make a recipe, we're trying to bake a cake and they tell us to put this many parts of this and this many parts of that. But then we go do our own thing and the cake doesn't come out the way the coach's cake came out. Now our coach is bad. No, they're not bad. They gave us the recipe. We just didn't follow it. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. And with recipes, well, depending on if you're baking or not, your baking does need to be pretty exact. There's some creativity in other types of recipes. Now I'm thinking of all the analogies of like cooking, (laughs) but yeah. So, um, I just, I would encourage people if they think that they'll never learn anything from a coach. I mean, I think there's something to be learned. Just like you said earlier, Shanita, there's, we all have something to teach or educate people about. We all have our own story. And so there's something that we all bring to the table and that's really unique about each of us. So I would encourage people to, you know, maybe go back out there and see if there's someone that could help them because I know I wouldn't be where I am today without my coaches. I mean, Chuck Bauer, in 2016, I was like at the end of my ropes with my firm. Like, I don't want another busy season like this. You know, I'm, I'm about to have my second child and I just can't work nights and weekends anymore. And I just hated it. I mean, I enjoyed the, the clients weren't terrible or anything, but I just didn't like feeling out of control. And so he, it's just that mindset shift because he asked me one simple question. 
who do you love working with and why? And that's yeah. exactly kind of what you went through with your ideal client or persona, right? And you're like, who do I actually really enjoy working with? And then how do you craft your entire practice around that? And so it's so cool that you were able to, to do that and establish that for yourself and that you really have a great, like greater purpose behind it too. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, I've tried to leave Jackie. I was like, the village <laughs> I was like the village people. Okay. I had the plumbers, I had the contractors, the truckers, um, you know, um, I, the only industry that I did, the only niche I think I didn't try <laughs> was probably, um, attorneys. But I think that if you're not, if, if, and this is just what most people, I think, if the only reason you're doing it is for money, the minute that it gets hard or it gets, the minute that it gets difficult, you're, you're going to just be frustrated, ready to check out. Yeah. And the, pan, the pandemic is what really helped me understand, like, yeah, these really are my people. Because, you know, one of the things one coach asked me was, who would you work with if money wasn't a concern and you you could afford to do it for free? Who would you work with? Would you still work with these people? And during the pandemic, there was a point in time where I did really do a lot of work for free because they didn't have the money to pay. Childcare mm-hmm. was shut down in most parts of the country. During oh the yeah, that was a really tough time for childcare. Yeah. So that was when, you know, I had to decide, am I going to, you know, stay in here, stand with these people? and help these people so that they can help the people that they need to help? Or am I going, am I going to exit stage left and then go, you know, focus someplace else? And I, I, I stayed and I, I stayed because of the, the higher, you know, the higher purpose of why, what was behind it and what it meant, you know, if just one of them, you know, if just one of them went down. So um, that really helped me understand like, okay, my assignment's not done here, um, even though, you know, I'm, there's a lot of other industries that probably, quite frankly, would be more lucrative, um, more profitable. But I stay because it can't all it can't all be about money. Yeah, that that's so inspiring. I love that. It's so neat when people really find that that passion and purpose and what they're doing. I had realized, you know, one reason why I sold my firm is I realized my passion had changed to loving working with accountants, which is so weird because, you know, accountants are not easy to work with. We are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to me, they are because I can empathize. Right. And so I get it. I get what the struggles are, but in general, like accountants, attorneys, and doctors are probably people that most people don't want to work with. We forgot, forgot engineers. I used to oh yeah, engineers. <laughs> work with engineers. I used to train engineers um, before my accounting life. Working with engineers and physicians um, has been some of the most difficult experiences that I've had. And you know, um, my one of my coaches currently, you know, she she keeps pushing me like, when are you going to do, you know, what you're supposed to really do for accountants? And I just, I really feel like we are like the first, we're like so forgotten. And I think it's because, you know, we're smart um, and we, you know, we understand all of the money things. And I just think that a lot of people forget that even though we know all this, like I don't have an accounting degree, I'm a business major. (laughs) So a lot of people assume that because we just have all this knowledge and we know these things that we know everything, but we don't. 
or even if we know everything for our clients, it doesn't mean that we know it for ourselves. Sometimes we're too close to it. So I think I enjoy working with accountants because I know that they they get it. They just mm-hmm. sometimes need you to say it a little louder, but <laughs> they get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's cool. So in a couple of days, I am uh, speaking kind of a not so new topic, but different way of looking at like value pricing for accountants at AccountX Canada. And I'm trying to craft, I'd like to give your advice as an accountant that's, you know, kind of dipping their toes more in the tax planning world. I have what I call the ROI method of tax planning, and I've trademarked that. And it's all about visualizing the tax savings that you can get for a client, the investment that they put into you, and then what that ROI percentage is. What do you think? I mean, I think we have to start really basic. Like what is tax planning, right? We have to define that. And then we have to define value pricing. And these are terms that people are probably like, oh gosh, you know, I know what that is, or I know what that is, but everyone's going to have a different definition. So I don't want to like talk down to people, but I think we have to start pretty basic with it. What do you think? I would honestly say it just like that. You know, I would just, you know, I would make sure that they know that you are just making sure that we're all on the same, all all on the same playing field when you're, when you're talking, because, you know, before we went live, I was saying there are so many different definitions. What is tax planning versus tax prep? What's included? What isn't? Um, and even CFO services, and even value pricing. A lot of us are passing off fixed fee pricing as value pricing, but it yes. isn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I am like so passionate about discovering the differences there because fixed fee pricing, unfortunately, is still going to fall into that hourly trap. You're, you kind of mm-hmm. back into that hourly trap still. And that is just not the ideal way to go if you can find that value proposition, right? I think it's much easier in tax planning now because yeah. you're able to, you know, you're able to show someone my efforts, my expertise, my input is going to yield you this savings. Yes, you have to have this outlay of cash, but you rather have this outlay of cash or this bigger one if I don't do what I'm doing. So I don't find value conversations with tax planning difficult at all, um, mm-hmm. especially if it's a strategy that's going to help them for years in the future. I don't, I, that conversation is, I had one of those conversations this morning, actually. Those conversations I enjoy. On the accounting side, it's, it's, it's a little more difficult, I think. I, yeah, I agree. It is more difficult. It's harder to find those little nuggets of, oh yeah, we identified $15,000 more in deductions here because we reconciled this particular bank account, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it gets pretty, pretty like nitty gritty and dirty over there, but there are definitely ways. I think that some people showcase that well. Um, so last question, and then I want, uh, to find out how people can contact you after this, if they want to pick your brain at all, how do you stay happy and healthy in this crazy industry? Um, (laughs) well, (laughs) <laughs> I like to. <laughs> I didn't tell y'all I was happy. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> I like to travel a lot. I love my family. I'm the oldest of seven. I have 13 nieces and nephews. Aww. So getting to see them and spend time with them as much as I can makes me very happy. Um, I also like to read a lot and um, 
that's that's about it. Um, so you know, and looking forward to the next trip. I'm always looking forward to the next trip, even if it's a work related trip where I get to see all of my friends. I'm always looking forward to what's next. Whenever I don't have anything coming up next, then I start to feel bored and I start to feel like, what am I, you know, what am I doing? So oh, I always- Shanita, you and I are so similar. I love travel. I have to have something to look forward to. I love reading. I'm like obsessed with learning. So yes. I can totally identify with that. Now, what's like your favorite conference to go to? Now it is hands down Funnel Hacking Live. Oh, cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was the best, most uh, funnel hacking live. And I also like Traffic, Sales, and Profit by Lamar Tyler. Um, but I will be at QuickBooks Connect next month. Are you going? Um, no, I'm actually doing Account Text Canada. And then oh, I'm the wrapping up my year. Yeah, um, it's been an interesting one. I've I've been traveling like once a month this year, which was kind of a dream of mine. And uh, I think it's catching up to me. I think, you know, you, you, you teach accountants how to avoid burnout. And then you, you realize you're getting into burnout yourself with different, you know, other things that you're pursuing. So it's always this balancing act, right? Yes. I've been going once a month, sometimes twice a month this year. And we actually had that conversation that I was going to limit um, my travel adventures for 2023. Unless it's like to Hawaii. I, I really want to get to Hawaii. <laughs> I really You've never to been? Hawaii. I've never been. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then that is a perfect destination spot for you. Very cool. All right. So what's the best way for people to reach out to you after this? So the best way to reach out to me is to find me on Facebook. Um, I'm the Shanita Jones with the CPA behind her name. Or okay. you can also hang out with us in Accountants Unlettered on Facebook. Perfect. Shanita, it was such a pleasure. I'm so glad we got to connect today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Concierge CPA hosted by Tax Plan IQ. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. If you are a successful accounting firm owner or influencer who would like to be on this program, please visit JackieMeyerCPA.com, J-A-C-K-I-E-M-E-Y-E-R-C-P-A.com to apply. Please share this on social media and rate us so we can continue our good work. Join our Facebook group called Accounting Firm Influencers or connect with me on most platforms under Jackie Meyer CPA. Thanks for being accountable to transforming our industry today.